Coming up, we talk about Matt's ongoing battle with Rodeo. I went to Russia for the Confederations Cup. It's a very good participation on the assignment desk. Not all of them good, but some of them very good. In Masterclass, Matt tells you to use that negative space, and that will also be your assignment desk. We take ourselves on the surface of the water. Episode 65 is next. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Konnichiwa. This is Ryu Vocal. Shalom. This is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS and show us how much you love us. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. So, news. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves. Because what else is there to talk about? Not much else. Absolutely, absolutely not much else. What's been going on the good and the bad... Do you want to go first, or should I go first? I can go yeah, first. Yeah, I'll go. I'll you want to go first? Um, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I've been on the road for like two months, basically. <laughs> I've been home for a couple of days here and there. My last trip almost broke me. I flew to uh, Oregon outside of Portland to shoot a big rodeo up there. But while I was there, I flew with a bunch of cowboys on a private jet to Utah to shoot them at another rodeo. And then I flew back to Oregon and continued shooting the rodeo that I was at. So that was kind of like the best and worst because the one in Oregon is like my favorite one to shoot because of the light is amazing and the arena is cool and it has like Christmas trees planted in the dirt of the arena you can do mm-hmm. a lot of cool things with all of that. And so I really like being able to just go up there and do whatever I feel like doing. But, you know, being up for like 26 hours in a row and <laughs> shooting and then flying and then shooting and then flying and then shooting again was a little bit more than I could take. And the photographer in Utah, a true rodeo photographer, wouldn't let me shoot in the arena um, which was a whole lot of fun because why he's, uh, well, you know, he's 85 something years old and didn't want the competition and couldn't keep up and, you know, the usual rodeo nonsense. So the fun thing about that was that when something like that happens, I take it like as a challenge. And so I shot from outside the arena and got some of the pictures that I'm most happy with from this whole season. So, you know, did he, he die blow at me. the end? Uh, it. I don't know. I'm going back to Utah this week, so maybe we'll see. Maybe he died, and maybe just like another 85 year old guy who's actually yeah. We'll just take his. his we'll place. just take his place. Yeah, that's yeah, how it his works. twin yeah. brother. Just the never ending <laughs> supply of 85 uh. year old hacks. <laughs> so that's your best and the worst. Yeah. All right. My best was that I went to the Confederations Cup. The worst is that I went to the Confederations Cup. <laughs> It's okay, you know, like, it's, it's like I have to pay this, like, FIFA tax. 
uh, not really FIFA tax, uh, World Cup tax, basically. If I don't go to these like events that you know it's sponsor- sponsored by FIFA or held by FIFA, um, my chance of um, getting the accreditations for the World Cup goes down a lot. So I'm kind of like forced to pay my way through the whole thing. Um, luckily, this time I got a client that was interested in having me take pictures and send it to them. So that worked out. Actually, probably like I made. This time I made more money than I made in any of the World Cups like combined probably, which is crazy. Which means, so all of you who's thinking like going to a very big event is a really good thing for professional uh, sports photographers and it's not because, okay, you know what, I'm going to ask Matt. Why is it that a very major event like Super Bowl or World Series or World Cup is not very good for freelance sports photographers? Because all of the agencies have three or four, five guys plus editors there and they're going to beat you to getting the pictures out and they're going to beat you with their clients and there's just not that much of a market it's way way better to shoot smaller events for money wise is better to shoot smaller events that don't have teams of photographers at them exactly yeah it sucks i think just like the games are okay like two i shot the two semifinals and the final and the two uh, one semi was very very good the final was good as well but it's just like i think I mean, like, you know, I talked to uh, Michal about it because I met him. Nice, very, very nice guy. We got to talk a lot about photography, and he actually did quite a lot of things with me. But at the same time, like, I think it, because in, in, in Brazil was really, you know, it was really interesting. Like, it was just like things through it's South America. They love football over there and it's just a good vibe and everything. All the other South American countries were, you know, they, they got had easy access to get into Brazil and watch the match so you can see the chileans going crazy the argentinians all that kind of stuff but when it came to russia and their thing the russian people they're quite serious when they watch football you know so it's not like really exciting and we'll see how it goes for next year like we're gonna have like these quite lame world cups um at least this one and one in qatar after that or cutter apparently it's cutter i heard it somewhere but that's my best and the worst. We will mosey on and get stuff done. Right. So let's take a break. A very short one. And we'll be back after this break. We give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening. Don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. And you have been very, very... It's probably the best assignment disc we had, like, by far. You know, the the amount of participation was very, very good. The quality was also very, very good. I'm very, very impressed. I mean, like, not like every one of them was very, very good. So what I really wanted was a close-up. Like, it's an event. And I wanted a close-up. And I wanted it in wide angle. Overall, what I would say about this is that the... You need to move to the edges of what we're talking about. Like this thing where you fit a whole body in with a long lens and then you try to fit a whole body in with a wide lens or something like that is, is really not not what we're talking about. Um, I'm looking at Tom Berry's pictures. There's not enough difference between the wide and the long here. Like relatively speaking to the frame the the body and, and these are fine pictures like the silhouette is is fine the celebration picture that's not a bad picture at all but th- this isn't 
this is not what we're talking about. Like, if you call one wide, you can't call the other one long. And if you call one long, you can't call the other one wide. It's just how it is, I think. I think that, obviously, uh, Mihail's pictures, I mean, this is this is exactly, mm. you know, like, it's if you want to know what we're talking about, this is what we're talking about. It's like, this really is... Good. This is basically what it is. It's from the same exact spot, and he figured out how to make a wide-angle picture interesting and a close-up picture interesting. Like, definitely go to the group on Flickr and look at what he's done here because this couldn't be any more of what we were asking for. And so this is we're going to do this one again because I think this is something that everybody can do without getting intimidated by but but this is it like this is mm-hmm. this is what you're looking for you know there are definitely people who did the assignment for sure toyin did it but it's neither of these pictures are really all that interesting like the first one is like after the game and there's nothing going on and the other one is just a guy laying on a sideline like that's definitely like, he fulfilled the assignment but it's not neither of these pictures is interesting at all you know, so you, you still have to figure out how to make the pictures interesting like if the this corner corner i think it's a corner right the first one for the toying thing yeah and if he didn't like had a close-up of like the actual corner kick happening or something like that in the corner that's kind of like what we wanted like i agree like i think Mihal had it absolutely spot on like that's exactly what we wanted to to see and you should learn from that because it's not like we can like every single time just you know tell you exactly like how it these things should be done. You should kind of like notice by now for certain people. Like you really should if you've been listening for a long time. I think we've actually made it quite clear that this is exactly what we. This is the type of thing we actually wanted to have. The rest of it, like I I understand the participation. Like for instance, the the Nin Lei one. If it was like I don't know, like a start of like I would like to have actually seen a like actual marathon or like actual race like with a lot of people in there wide shot i don't know along the road or something you can see a lot of people and then you get really close so you can actually see the sweat dripping off like that's the kind of thing we wanted to see when you use a 400 from far away it ends up looking like you know a 50 from relatively close or something like that like that's what i was saying before is you have to explore the edges of what we're talking about like you get caught in the middle and you you have something that's flat and kind of boring. If you had been, you know, way closer while they were going underneath this bridge or something like that, there are way more possibilities for something to be interesting there. Way, way more interesting than this 15 millimeter shot down here. Like this is not at all like this girl may like it or a family may like it or something like that. But nobody's looking at this picture and be like, well, that's a really cool picture. No. It's nothing that takes like real high amount of skill or something like that. You know, you could have done something where you were in the same position or, you know, closer with the 400 and then back it off for the the wide angle or something with the with the one with the trees and the going under the bridge. Like there's way more interesting possibilities there than there are um, on the bottom one. I wanted to touch on this um, shot boxer Portland. I don't maybe he's new i don't recognize um his pictures from before but these are both good pictures right these are fine but the problem is that again when everything looks the same in the frame like the bodies in the top at 200 look the same size as the body in the bottom that's really not what we're talking about like i want to see the edges of this like the the thing that makes mihail's picture pictures so good and work so well together 
is that you'll never confuse the fact that he used a really long lens for one or a really wide lens for the other one. That's what we're talking about here. Like if you had gone with the, the 200 there, I want to see wide on the bottom one. I don't want to see crop down guy who looks normal size or something like that. I want to see the whole stadium and the goal and the other players really small in the background. Like you have to accentuate the differences between the two. And what you've done is minimize the differences between the two of these pictures look like they were made on the same scale. And that's not, you know, that's, that's not gonna, that's not showing us that you understand what we're talking about here. Kevin's pictures, you know, these are good too, but these don't work as a pair at all. Like I, I understand that it's fulfilled, like what we were talking about. And maybe we should have been more specific as far as like having the two pictures be related to each other Mm. this just uh, you know these are both good i really top one is fine like the flag and everything like these pictures are a dime a dozen i really like how kevin does these close-ups in the bottom this is a good moment it's a good use of the lights you know the stadium the stadium lights in the Mm -hmm. background like i try to do this any every time i get a chance because silhouettes against something like that um, you can really get some cool pictures and and not only is it a cool picture, but it's a cool moment too, where he's, he's getting ready to give the other guy a pound. Um, this is good, but these pictures have nothing whatsoever to do with each other. Yeah. And I would like it. Um, the next time I guess we're going to have to be more specific, you know, that they are either from exactly the same place or shooting exactly the same thing, just from a d- little bit different perspective, something like that, where the pictures relate to each other. Yeah, but I think we just have to say, like, you know, look at these two pictures from Mihal, like, this is exactly what you have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, Do, you should be shooting uh, for that. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on is that Alvaro says that he couldn't do anything in June because the season is over until September. There's always something to shoot, always something to shoot. There are kids playing soccer in the park, Around the corner, there's a skateboarding bowl not too far away from here. There's Little League and whatever else. Like You don't need to shoot what you shoot all the time. You can shoot plenty of other things. And I don't want to hear this nonsense about, oh, I can't shoot again for two months or something like that. Like, it's not how it works. I think there's this yellow-eyed penguin. Like I think it's this someone new. Do you know him? Her? I have no idea who this is. I just want to kind of um, tell you... That, this is not what we wanted. So, welcome. I don't know if we actually welcomed you before, Mr. or Miss Yellow-Eyed Penguin. But um, have a look at Mihal's picture and keep it coming. Um, because, you know, the more you participate, obviously, the better you're going to get. Because practice does actually make perfect in this instance. So, that will end assignment desk. And we will give you another assignment. But before that, we have to talk about Masterclass, which will be based on your next assignment. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. In training ground the other day, we were talking to Simon who was shooting cricket. Uh, Cricket is not a game that I feel like shooting ever. I don't know because it's because it's all day and because I just I want to shoot things where I can get close. Like I'm just at that point where I want to be as close as possible. I guess rodeo has spoiled me, you know, being able to be on the dirt. I'm spoiled, uh, you know, I'll say it, but I don't want to shoot something that's all day and that I am 200 yards away from ever.
but this kind of prompted some advice and we kind of gave Simon an assignment. So we're going to give that to everybody really because it kind of works for what we're trying to do. The problem with cricket, as I just mentioned, is that you, you know, because the field is so big and because there's no, you know, good place to be and all the action happens way out in the middle you can't get close to it. And so you're, you end up shooting with really long lenses. Um, I, Simon was shooting with a 400 and a 1.4 teleconverter and still not really being able to get very close to it. And as anybody who's wrestled with teleconverter knows, just not a good recipe for producing great pictures. The idea is that if you're shooting something that you can't get close to go the other way with it, you know, I know you're shooting for an agency and whatever, but you still have time for yourself, especially when these go all day. So use the space to make the pictures. You don't need to fill the frame with the action. You don't need to, you know, keep bringing out longer and longer lenses to try to get better and better action pictures because in the end, all of that is still going to be too far away. So what do we mean? You, there's lots of grass. There is one of the benefits of being such a big field is that, yes, you're far away from it. But the benefit of that is that whatever you're shooting is also really far away from the background. So you should be able to isolate it. And so you don't need to have this crazy tight action. You can have empty spaces. You can have grass. You can have the stands in the background because they're not going to be in focus. And then you can have just a little bit of the action, whether it's a bat sticking in or uh, somebody following through trying to hit or the, the, is it the bowler and the other guy? I don't I forget all the names already, but anyway, all these people are doing things. You don't need a tight action picture every time they do something of that. So I want to see the empty space. I want to see the frame like 80 or 85% empty. Use the grass use the background of the stands and the people if you can get the benches in it or something like that because they're far enough away that they're not going to be in your depth of field so they'll be you know just like kind of a hint of it but not right in your face and then use whatever try to pick out the most athletic moves some guy diving some guy jumping or whatever but don't feel that you need to fill the frame with the action use the negative space to accentuate whatever the action is it's okay if it takes a minute for somebody to get what the picture's about for this assignment that's fine i don't want to see you trying to force in in america it's uh force around a square peg into a round hole or something like that if you're shooting that far away don't keep trying to make tight action pictures because either you're cropping too much or using too long of a lens or you're using a teleconverter and none of those things are going to, you know, make a great picture, but use the whole frame, use the action situated around the edges of the frame and then let the grass and the background, um, do the work for you. It's not easy to kind of describe like what Matt and I want you guys to do. So just remember that it's, you know, it is essentially probably going to be a wide angle shot. And there's a lot of negative space involved. So if you don't want to send out what negative space is, please Google it. Um, you'll find exactly the meaning of it. So wide angle with a lot of negative space. I don't think it's not just wide. So just think about the sky. Think about the ground. They're all kind of like negative spaces. There's nothing there. 
because we want a sports shot. An ideal situation, we want one with slight explanation saying, I tried to actually shoot this with a longer lens, but it didn't work, so I've actually used wide-angle lens to shoot this type of thing. It might just, yeah, just, just, just give us that wide-angle shot with a lot of negative space. So if you don't understand it, just, you know, write on uh, Flickr or send us an email, which is... Go right. try it. Just go try it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll use the pictures that you get to explain it a little bit more. And then we'll do it again. Um, I think we have a few that we can rotate through now that work and that get people to participate. And it'll be fun. Don't, don't ask us for clarification. Yeah, just let the pictures do it. So... That is the end of Masterclass, and that will be your assignment for next month. Did we make a difference in your life? Go to patreon.com slash BLFS and pledge for us, or to us, or towards us. Um, The money will go to a very good cause, to us. Listener cues are for people who have pledged for us on uh, Patreon, and they'll get to ask one question each month. For some reason, there's not that many this month, but we got three of them. So we'll just um, talk about it, answer the questions, and hopefully it will be a satisfactory answer to the people who asked us these questions. So Michael K. asks... Curious to hear if any of your clients uh, are asking you to capture video clips along your still photos. Would you advise your photographers to develop basic video skills to increase your marketability? Matt Cohen. None of my clients who actually pay me are asking for this, but a lot of people who I guess could be clients are asking this. I have zero interest in video. I just, you know, if... Still photography goes away, I'm going to have to figure something else out because I just, my brain doesn't work in video. It works in stills. I don't really, at this point, feel like learning it. I don't feel like buying all the gear to do it. I don't feel like starting over, trial and erroring what works. It, do, it just doesn't interest me at all. Would I advise? Yes. If if this is what you want to do, then yes. I, I would definitely advise um, at least being, you don't have to be, great at it but there will be times where you will get hired or not get hired based on whether or not you can do rudimentary video i've been asked a couple of times by various clients like not like the really big ones because big ones really just hire me for the stills and they have video people doing video stuff either at the same time or on a different time like not like not the same schedule as i am with Matt that I don't really see things like continuously like uh, because I see like how video people work and it's a completely different mindset it is still visual you know uh, medium but at the same time like it's it's stills and and photography I'm sorry, stills and video are completely different things and you have to like you know some people do video better than some pe- than the uh, than stills and vice versa. Yeah, like whether or not you should do it. I mean, I try to do it here and there, but um, it's really just like for like Instagram or something like that. And like it's nothing really like that interesting. 
I would I wouldn't I, I mean I've seen videos made by other sports you know people like I don't know like NFL films or all these like really high quality stuff for for advertisement and there's no way I can actually do that. I mean, a obviously you need、uh, editing skills on top of just like you know be able to actually see the entire project as a video and in,、uh, instead of、uh, stills. So if you want to do it, then you know no one's going to stop you from doing it.、Um, give it a go and see how it goes. But、um, it's really not for me. Yeah, it's also you. You kind of have to think about it as far as time goes. It doesn't scale. Like you know, I can go and shoot. Let's say a three-hour rodeo performance, and come away with a few hundred pictures, and spend, I don't know, three or four hours editing and captioning and you know organizing and whatever, and be done. You know that's a day's work, like a you know a couple hours driving, three hours shooting, three or four hours editing, and I'm done. If you add Video to it, you are editing for video is way more time intensive than it is for stills because you have to. With still, each one is self-contained. With video, you have to make it into something. The other part of it is the gear involved and like sound. You have to, adding microphones and all of that, and you're increasing the gear that you have to carry with you and managing keeping all the batteries charged and all the wires that you need or whatever. I did a shoot a couple years ago, and it was primarily a video shoot. So I was along to do stills on the video shoot. I've done this a few times at different scales, and the one that I was doing was again primarily video. And the crew that was there to shoot the video, there were like two. Camera operators and a sound guy, and a couple of gophers and a director and a producer. So, if you're doing this on any kind of commercial kind of scale, you can't you can't do that. Like one person, you definitely can't do that. Maybe you only have one camera operator and the producer is also the director or something like that. But you're getting that crew of five or six people down to three or four. You're not getting it down to one. So to be able to do it in any kind of competitive, you know, if they want,、uh, if you have a client, they they want you. You're there to shoot stills, but then they also want some 15 second Instagram or Facebook videos or something like that. That's something else. Like you can do that. You can do it with your phone, really. I mean, the iPhone shoots fine video, but if you're trying to market that as something that you're going to be getting paid for. By yourself, I don't see that. That said, again, more skills, if you have an interest in it, is better than fewer skills. I just happen to not have an interest in it, so I'm not going to, you know. But my advice is, if you have an interest in it, then you should learn it. Simon A. West asks. Shooting football from behind the goal line out towards the corner five. I've got a four hundred on one body and seventy two hundred on the other one. And my question is, when would you switch from four hundred to seventy two hundred? I tend to grab my seventy two hundred as play enters the penalty area, but wonder how you would decide when to move towards the shorter lens if you would at all. This is a very personal question. I've now kind of like I don't really switch that much. Unless I see things, and I don't use the seventy-two hundred at all right now in football, unless there's you know like special occasion that I would actually use it. 
I usually go for 24 to 70 or 14 to 28. I have this this thing that I realized that when I have a 7200 or even the 200 to 400, which I've also um, kind of tested out earlier, like just a couple of years ago, I feel that I have like this tendency to like zoom out enough to put the entire body in. That means that all my you know shots look kind of exactly the same as like other people's shots because what what's happening in corner kicks especially is that when they kick the ball you know when the guy, guy kicks a corner they're basically trying to score and what happens is that the if you want to like get you know an easy way of actually getting a goal off a corner kick in terms of actually like shooting the actual uh the moment is 7200 and the reason why is that a lot of agencies, you know, this is like their bread and butter. They really need to get this particular shot. This is their money shot. They really, really need it. So if they don't want to miss by using a 400, and it's a lot easier to basically then take a 7200, take the shot, and then crop it later on and just, you know, shitty newspaper. And um, that's what the, the kind of um, stuff that people do want. They will have a, they're going to have that shot of the guy scoring. And at the bottom, it's going to say, um, you know, the shot, you know, scored by whatever, Rain, Wayne Rooney, blah, blah, blah. The one last thing for, from my side, like when you switch, it's really up to you. There's like a, people who do switch, you know, quite like there's probably an area that they have in their head. It's not really like, you know, uh, one that's like on the on the pitch, but they say, okay, I can shoot from until here, 7200, I'm at 400, and I'll switch 7200 from here. It's not like a, a visual line. I think people have got their own comfort zone as to when they're going to switch. But in my case, it really is like when I feel like switching, I switch, and I don't, I don't. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on this, uh, especially a lot of thoughts for somebody that doesn't really shoot that much football anymore. So I started out, you know, kind of being, this is probably like a question that I had asked myself like early on. I, I guess if you're, if those are your choices, if you're, if you are set going to a game and using 7,200 and a 400, it, there's no one answer to it. It is a personal preference kind of thing. What I would say is don't look for the time that you switch, switch at different times and try to feel out this guy that's coming towards me is left-footed and maybe he's going to go to the far side of the field and maybe I would stay with my 400 for a little bit longer than I would ordinarily or maybe in this game uh, the way the players are bunching up it would be more visually pleasing to shoot wider and so you want to switch to the 7200 earlier than that in general if those are your two choices I would say don't look at it from a when when is the right time all the time and switch it up to um, different times so that you get pictures that look different. Like you don't always want to, when they get to the uh, 18 yard line or something, this is the time that you switch or whatever, then all your pictures are going to be either very tight or very wide and you want to kind of mix it up in there. I would say, I you know, I guess not to like malign a piece of equipment or something like that, but the 7200 is like, to be avoided really i just don't use it all that much and there's the reason is you get caught in the middle like i want to be either really long or really wide when you shoot 70 to 200 you're you get caught framing things you get caught zooming to fit it all in like Rhea was saying and i I just think it ends up being 
it leads to boring pictures. I shoot the 7200 a lot for rodeo because it's a compromise that I have to make for safety. When I am shooting bulls or bucking horses, I always need to know where the fence is because I always need to be able to jump over it. And I can't get close enough to use a 24 to 70 or a 14 to 24 when I'm shooting that stuff because you'll just, I would get killed. And there are many times where I can't be in the right position to shoot with a 300 or 400 distance wise. And I also can't jump over the fence with those. I'm going to break it or it's going to be too heavy and I'm not going to be able to make it over. So that's when I compromise and use the 7200 because I can be the right distance away and I can, it's not heavy enough to where I can't get over the fence. But other than that, I'm looking to shoot other lenses instead of, and the other ones that I use instead of 85 1.4 and 135 F2. Just because I like the looks of those lenses, I like not being able to zoom and having to make choices with the distance that I am and the composition, and I just like the look of those two lenses better than the 70-200. to I would definitely consider switching it up and using different lenses, because I really don't think the 70-200 to is especially useful for field sports like that. Like In football, I used to take a 400 and a 70-200, to uh, American football. But then after a while, it was like, well, 70, if there's a play in the end zone, 70 is way too long to get somebody catching a touchdown pass right in front of me. And 200 is way too short if the play goes the other way. And you're 55 yards away from the other corner of the end zone. So at that point, you have to make a decision. Do you want to stay with the 400 if the play is going away from you and then have like a 24 to 70 for something that's happening right in front of you? Yeah, that's that's what I want. So I I don't even take the 70 to 200 to, to football games, and I didn't take it the last time I shot soccer. Um, so long story short, I, I, you know, move away from that. Like, just do something different because I just don't think you're getting as much out of it as you think you are by using it. So the last question is from Tom Beery, and he asks, when shooting after-match pictures, usually celebrations, I throw on my SB900, which reduces the shutter speed to max one to two hundredths of a second. One to two hundredths of a second. However, on occasion, there can be a lot of movement, and sometimes the flash isn't powerful enough to freeze the motion. Then I'm left with unusable images. In good light, should I just use my normal sports settings and dispense with the SP900? Also, sometimes I can get my white balance completely wrong when using the SP900, so maybe I should shoot these raw. Mike, I don't use SP900 like at celebrations after a match. Like, I guess some people do. But like, there's no point. Like, I mean, you can amp up. I mean, unless they're complete in the shadows and you really want to like get the face lit up or the players lit up, then you have to use flash. But usually they're gonna be. Hmm? I think he's talking about for like for fill, like on a sunny day or something. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I I would discourage. I would discourage this. Um. Yeah, I I just don't think I I think you're you're just better off doing it in natural light at that point. Like if it's. If it's bright enough to shoot the game, it's bright enough to shoot it, and then you just kind of have to shoot around it if it's sunny, and, you know, I, I guess if we're, if we're talking about, yeah, because if we're talking about the shutter speed being too slow with the the flash, it's probably, it's probably during the day, and you could just amp up the ISO if it was at night, 
that's what I would do. Or, um, you know, or just be creative or something, you know? Like, you can do a lot yeah. of things with just the natural light. And if it's a silhouette, then you can use a silhouette. I mean, there's a lot of things. So it's just using flash, like, I've, I've not seen that many people use it. But, like, the only reason I would then use a flash would be a very intentional one. Like, you want to get a specific look, then you should go use a flash. But otherwise, like, there's no point using I just, it, you know? I can't. I just can't deal with on camera flash i mean i just i i can't think of one situation that i would use it in i I really you know like i just if i if there was a situation where the only way to get it was on camera flash i would like not take that assignment because i just i think the pictures look bad the only other thing that i would say is high speed sync you know if you're if you're really set on on doing this um you can get the Mm. sb 900 and whatever nikon body to high speed sync mode and it does like something with the what does it do it like reduces the power by drawing out the flash or something like that i really i don't know exactly how it works because i don't use this but um you can definitely get the the shutter speed up to at least 500 or something like that maybe higher it's hard for shooting in the sun because it reduces the power uh, again I, I don't know exactly how i feel like an idiot because i don't know how that works but it does work high speed sync is a thing um you can use it with with the gear that you have i would look into that because if you're worried about the the shutter speed and the flash not you know being able to stop the movement or something then that would be the way to go um uh, but i would I, sense, I, I would just yeah i would just pass no. i would just pass on all of that the and then white yeah thing. white balance i i know ryu only shoots in jpeg i only shoot in raw again um you know there's a personal personal preference kind of thing but if it yeah but the white balance thing like if you want to like get it absolutely right there are things you can put in front of your camera and it basically like you just have to like adjust your white balance to the point that that becomes like what 60 what how many how many percent gray is that 60 percent gray What's like the neutral color? White balance color? isn't measured. No, no, but like there's a card or like there's this like thing you 18, can actually 18%. yeah, eighteen percent gray, and actually like it 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 like matches the the thing and like apparently it's very very good. I've seen people actually use it because of the fact that like um, lights um, in gymnasiums, stadiums, they're all different, you know, like tungsten and fluorescent and all these kind of things, and you want to get it as as close as possible, but. When it's like a mixed light situation, like it's it's virtually like almost impossible to get it right. Um, depends also like on a reflection of the actual pitch or the um, gym surface. That also has a lot of effect on like how the light basically bounces off that and attaches onto the the athletes. And it sometimes it's, it's horrible. Like I've had one like with those a uh, yellow mat, and it was just terrible <laughs> color. It's terrible. You can't get rid of it. You just couldn't. So at, at one p- of the basketball arenas that i shoot in the light is really good but everything in there is painted yellow like the Ugh, it's terrible. and the, you know and the floor has, the wooden floor like has a yellow cast to it and everything else is yellow in there and it's yeah it's brutal horrible they should just like have like white colored ones you know that'll be great if you're a patreon pledge person over a certain amount please ask away we usually have more questions but i don't know like people kind of forgot about it that's it if you want more information on Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS and thank you very much. If 
you are you know have been participating in training ground for a couple of months but you do want to have like that personal attention from us that we were going to talk just about your photos for an hour we have the exact solution for that it's called critical beatdown and it's a paid um, service that we do we will talk about your photos up to 15 photos in your portfolio on video we'll just talk about your photo 15 photos for an hour on video and we will really dissect this you know piece by piece by piece a lot of people have benefited from this service so if you're interested please uh, email us which is save me at biglensfastshutter.com save me it's like you know save me save me at biglensfastshutter.com think we only say bad things about sports photography you say we got no soul hell no we're gonna prove you wrong with kudos time to hold your fellow sports photographers hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy and um thanks to everyone who's basically pitched in on ideas about cross counter We've been looking at photos from different websites, different photographers, and I, I, I found this one interesting because we don't really have that many people who shoot boats. We got cars, we got you know surfing, we got baseball, all these things, but not boats and like America's Cup and all that kind of really big things, you know. This guy, this month in Cross Gunner, we are going to tar, well, we're going to focus on a guy called Clive Mason. And he does um, yachts and boats photos, you know, in competition, like not the lounging kind, like the actual professional ones. What's going on is that there, we don't really have that many people who um, shoot water sports that kind of is like above water. It's usually, well, um, besides surfing, there really isn't. And um, I thought it would be really interesting to at least see, you know, a different sports and also done very, very well from what i can actually see from these things you know is that it's very difficult to do these you know these water sports just because i think if you get like you know seasick you probably can't do it and you also need to like know where the lights are coming from and where you have to be to get the shots that you want the rio de janeiro he's got the 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 christ the redeemer in the background which everyone does anyway but trying to like make it very very beautiful it's very very good I think it takes a lot of experience to do. You need to know the sports very, very well because they usually go through a course, you know. They go around like like laps, I think, you know. And you kind of have to like pick your moment and shoot what's available to you and make it very, very good. Make sure the lights are very perfect. It's it's really impressive. But actually, I'll, have, I'll definitely have the, um, the link for this. And also what's really good with him and I think like all the people who actually shoot motorsports should really see is that he gets... Um, emotions done very very well and which is not very easy to do because you get really split um, seconds to do these things and um, yeah it's always very very good to see that kind of stuff Matt Cohen I like the the one that has like the the lights it, it's it's really the highlights off of the water it's uh, Pablo Abella and Mariana Costa he uses the so when the light bounces off of the water you get these highlights and if you defocus them enough you'll get what looks like christmas lights in the foreground you don't want to come back with whatever however many pictures you took looking like this but it's this kind of thing that makes 
the details into a worthy part of your shoot. Because this picture isn't going to look like anything else. Probably very, very few other people thought to do this. But again, you're using your surroundings to make the picture. Like it's not just about the boats. It's not just about the water. It's not just about the city behind. Like that's what people are going to go to. They're going to go out on a boat and they're going to see, okay, well, I'm here to shoot these other boats and I'm going to try to frame them against the water and I'm going to try to use the city in the background for scale and to make a landscape or something like that. But this is something that's completely outside of that box totally. Like you could make a picture of the water and you could have those highlights, but it's the way these highlights are out of focus that makes the picture interesting. It makes it look like the boats are floating in a sea of highlights. And to me, that's the kind of originality that I'm always going to go for and that everybody should be trying at least devote a couple minutes to your shot and use what's going on like everywhere there's something like a cool background or lighting that comes in a different way than somewhere else or just something specific that happens where you are and you have to be able to take advantage of that in a way that other people aren't going to think of and I think this one's really good because of that. I think part of the cross-counter is that, like, yeah, Matt actually said that we kind of have to discuss about how to take these shots, and they're all quite different, you know? But to me, like, it really has to be something about really knowing the sport very, very well, because if I or Matt had gone there to shoot this, we wouldn't get the results that he's gotten. And I think really part to do, especially like when the event takes in such a big place because the boats, they don't just like travel, you know, 100 meters. They go for like kilometers and on and on and on and on. And it's not that they're going very, very fast, but you don't really know like which angle they're going from. You need to like know the actual course. You need to know when they're going to start. You need to know a lot of things, you know. You need to know a lot about boats probably as well, like when they're going to make their turn, how they're going to make their turn, which like, you know, which uh, like how are the people going to be using the equipment on on the boat itself like all these things huh? this really is like it's not easy and i think especially like in sports that when things are basically very very far away it's very difficult to take a good shot it just really is as like you know matt talked about the uh, the cricket thing like it's it's so far that if you try to you know get close with you know your lens like not actually like you moving physically but with the lens it usually doesn't create very good results, unfortunately. But um, he does manage to do it in a nice distance. And there's some w- ones that he's actually um, in the water shooting, which probably is possible, probably not very, very safe. He does it. And I think he's very, very good, very creative. I've not seen his entire thing. This is, um, so whoever gave this to us, thank you. You want to add anything else? No, I just think that look at um, look at what he's doing here. Look at the mix of of diff- the different kinds of pictures look at the lens that he went to like definitely it, this says he was hanging off the side of the boat with an underwater housing we're not suggesting that you do anything that's unsafe ever like safety your health or whatever is more important than any one picture i guess this is advice that i should take myself but certainly for for everybody who's listening to this like we're not suggesting that you put yourself directly into danger if you can have a situation where he's probably uh, strapped to it or something like that, so he's not going to drown, and the worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to have to pull him back up for that. But you can't expect to be shooting from the same place with the same lenses and and not do anything physically different than you were doing, whether it's 
changing lenses or changing the position. Like if you're on a boat, even if you were down at the, you know, I don't know what it's called. What's the, the whatever the lip is that keeps you in the boat. Even that's going to be a few feet over the water level. And if you really want to get the water in the picture, you do need to be further in. So you need to try things like this to get pictures that look like you're coming from a different point of view, because if you're just shooting from standing up on the boat or even kneeling down on the boat, like the pictures are going to end up looking the same. And if you look at all of these pictures, like there are running themes through here, like the backlight going through the spray and the way he's using the light from behind. And all those things are like common themes that were running through here, but these pictures all look very different. And you really ideally want to come home from a shoot like this and have the have there be a lot of variety and not just have like you know, a boat tacking through big waves or something like that it's just it just gets boring so quickly whereas you know i could sit here and look at this guy's whole take and be like okay cool i you know definitely learned something about how to shoot this mm. that is cross counter yeah please like if you have any other suggestions for cross counter we're always always open because this is probably one of the, the most difficult one for us to find because we do try to like find cross counter last minute and we ended up like really with like shitty, you know, selection of cross counter stuff. So thank you so much for your help. And with that, we end the 65th episode of Big Lens Flash Shutter. Can't do this without you, our wonderful uh, listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog, which is at BigLensFastShutter.com. So you won't be uh, missing any of our uh, latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar or ten in your pocket, please go to Patreon.com slash BLFS. And that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BLFS. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and Patreon. Rinse, repeat, love us more. See you next month. The, uh, the, um, and, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, no. And, um, that's it for this month. See you next month and, um, have a great evening or morning or whatever it is, you know, you're going to have for the rest of the day. Thanks.